0: The JSC Radio listener, the JSC Radio follower and fan contribute to the show in whatever way you see fit. That's right, looking for people to help keep this show moving. Whether you want to donate $1 an episode, hell, $1 a month. For $5 per episode, I'll shout you out on this show, and you'll even be able to vote on exclusive polls and exclusive half episodes. That's right, JSC exclusives. You'll get to hear those half episodes before anyone else. For $10 or more per episode, now it gets fun because you get to be a sponsor on this show. You got a business? You want me to talk about it? I want you to sponsor my show. For $10, hit me up, send me the script, I'm putting you over. Plus, you get all the other cool stuff that comes with it. For $25 an episode, same thing applies, except this time you will become an official segment sponsor. Do you want a segment of this show sponsored by your business? Of course you do. That's why you want to hit me up on Patreon. For more information on how to become a sponsor of JSC Radio, go to patreon.com slash JSC Radio. Patreon.com slash JSC Radio, and you can truly help this become the People's Podcast. This is JSC Radio. Go get it and demand more from this damn franchise. I'm here in Philadelphia where all they do is complain about the Eagles and how the Eagles just have treated them so wrong despite the fact they've been to two Super Bowls and they made four conference championship games. That's what I want in Detroit. I want them to demand more. Stop giving me this, oh, well, we used to be bad, so but nine and seven is so much better. How come you just can't be positive? How come you just can't hope? As I said in the first segment, and as I will close this show now, hope is not a goddamn strategy.
1: And that's Hewitt in the front of the eye formation with Giovanni Bernard behind him. They'll hand it to him, and he will finally...
0: Hope is not a goddamn strategy. You have to check the report.
1: This morning, uh, I spoke to Coach Caldwell. And informed him of the decision not to retain him as the head coach of the Lions. You're kind of looking for more of that pass back and forth kind of thing. The Lions... Uh, have informed Jim Caldwell that he will not be returning as their head coach. Bob Quinn, the general manager, making that move. So that discussion is over, Adam. And on some level, look, that makes sense. The Lions have had success under Jim Caldwell. But remember, Bob Quinn was brought in after Jim Caldwell was there. He was never his guy. Um, I feel like there was a need and change in the leadership of this team. And starting today, I'll be leading that search um, to hire a new head coach for the Lions. That's exactly right, and I think that Jim Cobwell is a coach who who interviews very well. Look, there was a sense, I got a text on Saturday night that that the uh, uh, assistants were told that they wouldn't be back. The Lions said that wasn't true, but I think it was very apparent that change was afoot in Detroit. Ultimately, I'm the person in charge of the football operation here at the Lions, and ultimately, the record that we've had the last two years is on me. There goes Rogers again. Looking for
0: the outside again. Throw for a touchdown by Geronimo Allison. I mean, you just, you can't
1: stop him if he does that. So last year we went 9-7 and seven and lost the playoff game. And the Seattle Seahawks are moving on. And the Detroit Lions go into the offseason. And this year we went 9-7 and, and didn't get the playoffs. fourth and goal. And Stafford stepping up and he's going to get ...taken down at the two-yard line. What a stand. So that's ultimately my record, and uh, I take full ownership of that. Really, the standards that I have for this team are greater than that, and my goal is to go out and find the best head coach to bring us that championship.
0: Hope is not a goddamn strategy. Check it out. This is JSC Radio. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is how the hell we're beginning 2018. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls... Children of all ages, Happy New Year! Hey now! My name is J. Scott Smith, and this is the 61st episode of the People's Podcast. This is J. S. C. Radio. Welcome my friends to the podcast that never king ends and welcome to 2018. Want to thank all of you. And I do mean all of you who have supported this show from the second it started back in 2016 all the way to now our first show, our first damn show of the year 2018 2018 I want to thank those of you who support me on patreon that's patreon.com slash jsc radio I want to shout out all of you who hit me up on the mothership jscottsmith.com those of you follow me on the twitter machine at jscottsmith where I am verified original I am also on Twitter. The show is on Twitter at JSC Radio. You can get at me on Facebook at real J Scott Smith original. And I am also on Instagram at J Scott Smith. Be sure to hit me up wherever you you can and continue to support this show. I want to thank you for subscribing to the show on iTunes, a.k.a. Apple Podcast. Big up to those of you supporting the show on SoundCloud. That's SoundCloud.com slash JSC Radio. Big up to those of you hitting us up on Google Play or on Audio Boom or on Stitcher Radio. All of you. Thank you. Damn it. Thank you. Big up to my man, Doc Dillensworth. Shouts out to my man, Rufio Jones. Big up to Awesome Jones. No relation. Those guys have been dropping beats on my ass for the better part of a year, and I would not be a damn thing without supporting them. And I also want to say big up to each and every one of y'all new booties who are listening for the first damn time after coming off of the Best Of Show and you decided to hop on for the 2018 flavor. Thank you. Damn it, thank you. I'm feeling good. You heard that intro. I made reference to it. On the Best Of Show. And by the way, I want to thank y'all for bearing with me. If you noticed, the voice sounded a little different on the second half of the Best Of Show. As opposed to the first half of the Best Of Show. The first half of the Best Of Show, I sounded just like this. Second half of the Best Of Show, not so much. I recorded the first half of the Best Of Show. Before we get into episode 61. I recorded the Best Of Show. The first half of it, I recorded it in a studio back home in Michigan. On Christmas Eve. As the Lions game was on in the background, I'll get to that in a second, the voice was sounding crisp, it was clear, it was lovely, and then on Christmas, really the night of Christmas night, I got ambushed by a sinus infection, and I sounded like dog shit for the better part of five days. So by the time I was finally able to get around to finish off the recording of the Best Of episode... I had been on antibiotics for a few days and had been fighting through Mucinex and every other possible medication you could think of. And that was as good as it was getting. But damn it, I powered through to the finish line. Unlike these punk ass Detroit Lions. I mentioned that there was a high probability that episode 61, the first one of the brand new year, was going to deal with them. Something told me that I just knew. There wasn't a chance in hell. Like Vince McMahon circa 1999, there's no chance in hell I'm doing this show without talking about those damn Lions. But here's the funny part. I'm not here to simply bury this team, which I could do, which I should do, which I'm well within my rights to do. I'm well within my rights to get out onto this microphone and just bury them. Because they deserve it. And there's so many reasons to do so. But the interesting thing is, as I sat there recording parts of the Best Of show, with the Lions game on in the background and snow falling on the outside of the windows, and that lovely feeling of just being back home in Detroit, where I didn't even have to go through all that I go through to watch Lions games, when all I had to do was simply turn it on, Fox 2 in Detroit, and watch them fall on their damn face in Cincinnati. You heard it there at the start in the intro. The Lions, albeit they did not deserve to even be in the playoff conversation, found themselves right on the outside fringes of it. And all they had to do was go to Cincinnati, the deadbeat-ass Bengals, Go to Cincinnati, play a team that had zero interest in being there, show up like good teams are supposed to do, knock that piece of garbage team off, and it sets you up for a situation the following week on New Year's Eve where at least if you win and something wacky happens to Atlanta, you got yourself a shot. What happens? You heard what happened. Giovanni Bernard slammed the casket door shut on a Detroit Lion team that honestly didn't deserve to even have a sniff of the postseason. There are few teams quite like them. There are few franchises quite like them. And mind you, the Bengals followed up that ditty by going into Baltimore and putting a slug in the Ravens on Sunday. Who saw that coming? And for their trouble, Marvin Lewis... Who just two weeks earlier had basically been whispering to people he had one foot out the door, magically gets hit with a two year contract extension for finishing seven and nine, not anywhere near winning that division. And mind you, Marvin Lewis has been there for what, 14, 15 years, and he has not won a single playoff game. He's won four division titles, they made the postseason seven times. They're 0 for 7 in the playoffs. And in a couple of instances, they actually had a first round bye and got punched out. The feeling that people in Cincinnati have, the confusion that people in Cincinnati have about how Marvin Lewis, a guy who's had all this, quote, regular-ceasing success after all these years, and mind you, he's won multiple division titles, but has never won a playoff game, got signed for two more years. That was the feeling That, to be real with you, I had assumed that Lions fans would be going through right now. But as you heard in the intro, it didn't. Bob Quinn, the Lions general manager, who they signed out of the New England Patriot front office, stepped up on New Year's Day. He let Caldwell coach that final game against Green Bay. Green Bay, who had been mathematically eliminated from the playoffs, no longer was going to send Aaron Rodgers out there. And the Lions went out there, decided they finally wanted to show out. They finally want to open up the playbook. And they want to style and profile and gesticulate and dance and and come up with trick plays on two-point conversions. And they were just going to show their ass. But we saw their ass the week before in Cincinnati. And it was a fitting end to Jim Caldwell. I barely even want to count that game on Sunday. Because Quintet made up his mind before then. He could sit there and tell the press that Jim Caldwell, his fate wasn't sealed until late in the night Sunday. Bobby, you knew he was done the second Giovanni Bernard crossed that goal line on Christmas Eve. We all did. He did. Caldwell knew he was done. And it couldn't have happened to a better guy. Now, I know what you're thinking. For those of you who at least know a little bit about the Detroit Lions, at least know a little bit about Jim Caldwell, at least know a little bit about the situation the Lions have been in the last few years, you'll take a look at them firing Jim Caldwell and you'll be kind of caught off guard. Like, wait, but look at his one loss record. He was 36-28. and And then you look up the Lions history books, he had the best win percentage of any head coach in the Super Bowl era. How could they possibly fire him? They've had such great success. Let me tell you something about that 36-28 and 28 record. That 36-28 and 28 record is some of the phoniest shit I've ever seen. That is one of those phony-ass winning records. That's a winning record that should have an asterisk in 72-point type next to it. It should be written in 12-point type with 72-point type asterisks. Just run next to it. 31-28, my ass. Yes, I know. It's easy to simply plant your head in the sand and say that he had a winning record. He was the greatest coach we ever had. It's easy to get your head in the sand and tell that lie to yourself and to others over and over again and think that somehow there was some great injustice done here. I mean, sure. If you're a Lions fan, like me, you've had to put up with a lot of shit, especially since 2001. And that's where I notice there's a bit of an age discrepancy here in the battle that goes on between factions of Lion fans. And yeah, if all you've ever had to eat is stale bread and warm water, a bowl of oatmeal with some fruit in it tastes like prime rib. But as someone who has seen this movie before, With this franchise in the 1990s, Jim Caldwell was nothing more than warmed over Wayne Fonts. With just a few more regular season wins, and no actual accomplishments to show for it. Yes, he was 36 and 28. And they actually had three winning seasons! No Lions head coach has ever had three winning seasons, which is bullshit. Wayne Fonts had five of them. But... No, he had four. Excuse me. Going to be fair. He had four. 1991, 93, 94, 95. He had four of them. Three in a row. He was the last coach to get the Lions to the playoffs in consecutive years. Got him there three straight years. 93, 94, 95. But he was 36 and 28. And he had three winning seasons. That's fine. It's cute. But when just four of those 36 wins came over teams with a winning record, when just one of those wins came over a playoff team in 13 tries over the last two years, they've played 13 games against playoff-worthy opponents. In the last two years, they're 1-12. 1-7 this year. When none of those wins came when it really mattered, after Thanksgiving since 2014. 2015, they were out of it. Those games didn't mean anything. And there was one particular game after Thanksgiving in 2015 that I'll get to in a second. Last year after Thanksgiving, they didn't win another damn game. They, they After Thanksgiving last year, they were done. They had three straight losses, then got blasted in the playoffs. And this year, by the time they got their ass around to actually doing something, it was too damn late. Season was over. That win over Green Bay was meaningless. The Lions overall record since that 11 and 5 season, the one anomaly amongst the three other years that Caldwell coached. He had 4 years there. They went 11 and 5 the first year, they went 7 and 9 the second, 9 and 7 the last two. I'm not a math major, but that 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 comes out to a paltry 25 and 23. That's not great despite what so many of you simpletons who don't know a damn thing about football A lot of you youngsters who didn't live through the 90s when the Lions were actually pretty good, who don't know anything but losing, y'all think what Jim Caldwell did the last three years was great. That's not great. It's average. And let me tell you something, there ain't no swag in being an average player and I say that with a little bit of emphasis behind it because there ain't too many teams with more misplaced swagger and confidence and cockiness than that damn Detroit Lions. There just aren't too many because the Lions are the type of team they walk around with this odd air of confidence, cockiness even. And I've never understood where it comes from. There ain't a player on that team not named Golden Tate who's actually won anything. And even he's too damn cocky for his own good. It's to the point where it seems like at times they're shocked when they constantly get reminded that they're not as good as they think they are. You would think this team had won the last five division championships, they'd won multiple playoff games, they'd gotten to a conference title game, they've done none of that. But with their cockiness and their arrogance, and it showed in their play in games against bad teams the last two years, All those fraudulent comebacks they were pulling last year. Falling behind, bad team after bad team after bad team. Hell, two of the bad teams they fell behind last year, plus the Philadelphia Eagles, are all in the playoffs this year. All of them. Vikings too. Jacksonville and the Rams were awful last year. The Lions should have lost both of those games. This year, the Cleveland Browns. The 0-16-2017 Cleveland Browns had a third-quarter lead on the Detroit Lions in Ford Field. They had to fight back to win that game. But I'm supposed to somehow think that Jim Caldwell was anything other than the joke that he was. Let me say this again. He was 36-28 and 28 overall. Best win percentage post-Super Bowl-whatever against teams with a record of 500 or better he was 4 and 23. Let me say that again. 27 times since he took the reins of that team, they played a team that finished with a winning record on four occasions. He came out victorious. 4 and 23. 1 and 7 this year, 1 and 12 the last two years because they lost them all last year and they got one off Minnesota earlier this year. That one win that had them so cocky and had Lions fans so overconfident that they just assumed they were going to walk over the Vikings, who by the time they played them a second time, hadn't lost a game since that day, came rolling in to Ford Field and stomped a mud hole in the Lions. The Lions came out as if the Vikings were supposed to bow down, forgetting that the only reason they won the game in Minneapolis is because Dalvin Cook blew out his knee, and the Vikings threw a late pick as they were driving to win at the end of the ballgame. They were 1-12 the last two years against playoff teams. Overall, the last three years, they were 25-23. and 23. It took the win over Green Bay to keep them from being a dead-on 500 team. Jim Caldwell won 36 games in four years. You want to know what that breaks down to an average of every single year? That means, on average, Jim Caldwell finished 9-7. Lions fans think, or a lot of Lions fans thought, that just because he had a winning season, that means you can't fire him. I've seen guys get fired at 10 and 6. Marty Schottenheimer got fired at 14 and 2. Caldwell actually referenced that. You're 25 and 23 over the last two years. You didn't win a division title. You made the playoffs twice as a wild card and lost both. You got jobbed in Dallas in 2014, and you fell on your face in Seattle last year. In the last three years, they've collapsed three times down the stretch. And I consider 2015 a collapse. Again, I'll get to that in a second. Last year, two games clear in the division. Aaron Rodgers had missed time. The Packers weren't very good. The Lions had gotten at least two games clear of them. And next thing you know, it's the last game of the season. They're in Ford Field. They need Washington to go out and lose to guarantee that they make the playoffs regardless of the outcome. But they still have a chance to win the NFC North. They have not won a division championship since 1993 under Wayne Fonz, which at that time was his second division championship in three years. What happens? They lay a damn egg against the Green Bay Packers. This year, Aaron Rodgers is dead. You've already beaten Minnesota straight up. Yet, the Lions had zero chance of winning that division and collapsed down the stretch get blasted by Minnesota, go to Baltimore, get blasted by the Ravens, barely beat Tampa, narrowly escape. They find a way to get to damn Cincinnati on Christmas Eve and they fall on their face again, and that's it. So somehow in a season where you go 5-1 and one in your division, somehow in a season where Aaron Rodgers does not have to play you either time, you go 5-1 and one in your division, you beat the division champion, and split the season series with them, yet somehow you end up four full games out of first. That's inexcusable. And finally, someone in the Detroit Lions' off front office sees it the same way I do, and he got rid of Jim Caldwell. We go back to that 2015 season, which came the year after the 11 and five, and they come out of the box one and seven. Season's over, done. Martha Ford finally wakes up, fires Martin Mayhew, fires Tom Luan. Fires anybody with a pulse except for Jim Caldwell. Caldwell was allowed to essentially finish out that season. They managed to muster three straight wins against inferior competition. Mind you, they were inferior themselves. And then got themselves into a game with a familiar face, the Green Bay Packers. It was a Thursday night game. It was the week after Thanksgiving. The Lions somehow it meandered their way to 4-7. and seven. Everything would have had to break right for them to even have a sniff of making the postseason. But this was their chance to try to somehow, some way, try to backdoor their way into this thing. They had Green Bay down big. They led the entire night but could not close them out. A staple of Jim Caldwell's Lions teams, by the way. And very end of the game, we all know... What happened here? Somehow, someway, the Lions were up 23-21. to Aaron Rodgers is scrambling. They're trying to run a Cal Stanford-type play because the ball is back at the 24-yard line with time running out, so they can't throw a Hail Mary. They run this Cal Stanford play. Devin Taylor reaches out, appears to grab Rodgers' face mask as he's trying to avoid Taylor, pulls him down, free play. We all know how the damn thing ended, and it—and th- this moment right here, for everything else Caldwell did wrong, for everything he did, for the big time collapses, for the losses in the playoffs, for the instances of 10, and in the case in Baltimore, 9 men on the field, this is the exact moment when I would have gotten rid of Jim Caldwell.
1: Rodgers rolling to his left. B.H.A. slipped the tackle. Rodgers is stepping up and lofting it deep down the field, into the end zone. It is up, and it is caught. Caught by the Packers.
0: Richard Rodgers for a touchdown. Oh, no. I did an entire show on that, and I remember watching it live. I knew as soon as Rodgers got pulled down by that face mask, which turned out not to be a face mask, shockingly enough, he got pulled down by that face mask, I knew it was over. But what floored me wasn't the fact that they gave up the Hail Mary. What floored me was how easily they gave up the Hail Mary. And then the next morning, when I would have fired Jim Caldwell the night before, what little chance he had with me went out the window when he got up on that podium that next morning and was asked, why is it that you didn't, Defend for the Hail Mary, knowing that Aaron Rodgers can throw a ball 70 yards flat footed and you were 61 yards away from the end zone. How on earth did you not defend for a Hail Mary? And Caldwell says,
1: You're kind of looking for more of that pass back and forth kind of thing.
0: Yes! That, look, hear this again.
1: You're kind of looking for more of that pass back and forth kind of thing.
0: The pass back and forth kind of thing. Look. Just because Aaron Rodgers and Richard Rodgers went to Cal does not mean they were going to run the Cal-Stanford play. I'm not an NFL head coach. I played on a defense. I've covered Hail Marys before. If you're anywhere in the vicinity of the 50-yard line, they were at the 41. No, the 39, excuse me. They were at the 39, but Aaron Rodgers has the type of arm, as we've seen, that can get a ball into the end zone from behind the 40-yard line. It's similar to Steph Curry when he steps across midcourt. Once he's across midcourt, he can shoot at any time and reasonably have a chance to knock it down. So if you're anywhere essentially inside of the opposite field 35 and Aaron Rodgers has the ball in his hand, what are you going to do? You're going to rush four and you're going to send every available guy who can catch or swat something down back to the goal line, including Calvin Johnson. There's that gif out there of Matthew Stafford throwing the hat and Calvin Johnson dropping out of the screen. It was after that damn Hail Mary. Not only was Jim Caldwell not fired that day, The sumbitch got to coach two more seasons after that. Two full seasons. The following season, they win nine times. Eight of them were fourth quarter comebacks. Reasonable people would surmise that that was probably a 5-11 or 6-10 team last year that somehow got to nine wins because they got lucky eight times. And people didn't see anything wrong with that. I, I told you in the show last year, episode 26... How people were daring to condescend to me over that, but he's gone. Bob Quinn showed he has the set of stones that not a lot of guys have had, and they broke his punk ass off. And I'm at that I'm at that point where it really doesn't matter to me who they bring in, to be perfectly honest with you. Because let's just be real, anything is better than him. This idea, of the, what if we can't find someone better? Trust me, you had a coach better than him. His name was Wayne fonts I mentioned it earlier, Fonts. Was, I consider Caldwell warmed over Wayne Fonts. Yes, Caldwell had more regular season wins, but he didn't have half the success Fonts did. And before any of you simps try to mock me for mentioning that, please understand that Jim Caldwell coached here four seasons. Four. Four. Yes, he won 36 regular season games. That averaged nine wins a season. They did not win a division title. They did not win a playoff game. They just won a bunch of regular season games, had a bunch of stupid comebacks. But when it mattered most, they came up short in the big games. Even in the big games against shit teams like Cincinnati. By the end of Wayne Fonce's fourth full season. Because you got to remember, his first full season was in 19. 19- 89, Barry Sanders' rookie year, first full season, 89, second, 190, third, 191, fourth, 192. By 1992, which was his the start of his fourth full season, we don't count the end of the 88 season, by the start of his fourth full season, Wayne Fonts had already won a division title, the Lions' first since 1983, and they had won a playoff game, their first and to date only, since 1957. They had a lead in the third quarter of the NFC Championship game in 1991. He was already more successful than Caldwell despite the fact that 1991 was his first winning season as Lions head coach. They went 6 and 10 in 1989 and 1990. They go 12 and 4 in 91, they went 5 and 11 in 92, they then go 10 and 6 in 93, 9 and 7 in 94, 10 and 6 in 95. He was actually more successful than Caldwell. So I don't want to hear this shit about 36 wins in 4 years. That's 9 wins a season. You want to know what happens? If you win nine games a season in a place like Pittsburgh or out in New England, you win nine games a season, and in none of those four years, you win a division title or a playoff game, if you want to know what that gets you, fired. You go 9-7 and seven every year in New England without winning a division title or winning a playoff game, you're out on your ass. You go 9-7 and seven every year in Seattle without winning a playoff game or winning a division title, you're out on your ass. In Detroit, if you go 9-7 and seven every year without winning a playoff game or winning a division title, some of these idiots want to build you a goddamn statue. I'm sick of this. It's about time somebody in that Detroit Lions front office said what had to be said bob quinn made it very clear on monday that nine and seven that shit ain't good enough
1: ultimately i'm the person in charge of the football operation here at the lions and ultimately the record that we've had the last two years is on me so last year we went nine and seven and lost the playoff game and this year we went nine and seven and didn't get the playoffs so that's ultimately my record and uh, i take full ownership of that Really, the standards that I have for this team are greater than that. And my goal is to go out and find the best head coach to bring us that championship.
0: He made it very clear that the reason he let go of Jim Caldwell is because he felt Caldwell had gone as far as he possibly could. He had peaked, he had essentially done what Wayne Fonts had done by 1996. He had kind of played every card he had. It was time. So who's the next head coach? I don't know. It could be Mike Vrabel. It could be Matt Patricia. These former Patriot guys. Yes, I know. Patriot head coaches, former Patriot head coaches don't win in the NFL. Ah. Well, look, let me let me explain something to you. I would much rather take the risk on having the first guy from the Patriots to leave there and win than, I don't know, hire Terrell Austin, the right-hand man of the dude you just fired or bring in, or, or hire Jim Bob Cooter as the head coach of the damn Detroit Lions. The hell is this? Hee-haw. Get them the hell out of here. It's time for a new voice. It's time for a new energy. And for those of us who follow that team in Detroit, who grew up with that team in Detroit, who put up with that team in Detroit, it's time for a new attitude and a new set of rules. Because perfectly, to be perfectly honest with you, I'm sick and tired. Of these idiots and these ass clowns and these knuckleheads who put on all this lions gear and put on lions jerseys and make excuses for every bit of stupidity that they pull. And yet claim to be lions free and claim to be that they claim that they don't care. You do care though. I care. You think I sit here and talk about these morons on this damn podcast every few weeks because it's just fun to me? You wanna know what'll be fun? Fun to be talking about them not playing this weekend because they have a first round bye, because they just won their division. And I could be sitting here having fanciful dreams about them possibly getting back to the NFC Championship game for the first time in a quarter century, and possibly having a shot at getting to the Super Bowl. It's one thing for the Buffalo Bills to not have made the playoffs since 1999. They can just be happy they got in. It's one thing for the Jacksonville Jaguars, who just won a goddamn division title. Blake Bortles has more division championships than Matthew Stafford. Jared Goff has more division championships than Matthew Stafford. You think I want to sit here and talk about this? No, I want to talk about them winning. The Eagle fans are sitting here with their ass cheeks tighter than a vice because they know they're in a lot of trouble because they lost their quarterback with three weeks to go. But they got a first-round bye, and they could still somehow backdoor their way into a Super Bowl. And that's what drives me so far up the wall about the Detroit Lions and their fans. Because their low expectation having ass a lot of times is really responsible for this attitude and this mindset. I mentioned them earlier. The Cleveland Browns completed the second 0-16 season post-merger. And the third winless season post-merger in the NFL. Tampa went winless. And their inaugural season in 1976 and the Detroit Lions went winless 10 years ago. But th- the thing is, and you know what I'm sick of, and mind you, again, some Lions fans help keep this stupid ass narrative alive. It's this idea that the Lions fans should be happy with not being awful like the Brown. That, quote, just having a winning season should make us as Lions fans happy. It's a loser ass mentality. Yes, in 2011, after 12 years of carnage, 10-6 and 6 felt really damn good. Just getting in was fine because it had been so long. But after that, it was time to build, which is why Jim Schwartz got iced two years later. Just, quote, not being 0-16 was unacceptable in 2013. It's 2018. Five years later, seven years after that ten and six record, this whole oh, but we used to be so bad. We were, we were ten and six. Now we have winning seasons. The hell out of here with that. I understand how much this fan base hurts. One of my earliest sports memories is Eddie Murray's miss of that field goal in San Francisco in 1983. I remember the horrid 1980s post Billy Sims and pre Barry Sanders. I get that being the worst scares us. It's happened twice in most of our lives. But this thought that now Lions fans shouldn't actually demand that 10 years after 0-16, 24 years after the last division title, 25 years since the last playoff win, and 60 years since the last NFL championship, that they get more than a couple of 9-7 seasons and a one-and-done in the playoffs because hashtag Lions, is maddening. And no, National Zipperheads, we don't have to just accept it and be happy that they're not 0-16 anymore. In Detroit, we didn't accept it when the 2000s Pistons got to six conference finals, two NBA finals, and actually won a championship. Those Pistons are often regarded as a huge disappointment because they only won one goddamn ring. People were not happy and demanded more when the Tigers came up totally empty in five postseasons over nine years. Michigan State, in both basketball and football, is to the point now where simply winning nine games and getting to some decent quote-unquote bowl game, that's not good enough anymore. Winning the Big Ten East getting to Indianapolis, winning the Big Ten championship game. Those are called expectations. And if you don't meet them, you came up short. Michigan State basketball. This is the best damn team Tom Izzo has run out there talent-wise in almost 20 years. Since the national title team in 2000 and the team that almost defended the national title in 2001. Anything short of a Final Four, anything short of his second national championship, is a disappointment. Those are called expectations. The Detroit Red Wings were the symbol of damn excellence in the NHL for 25 years. There was a long stretch of time where, in Detroit, nobody would accept anything less than the conference finals from the Red Wings. If they don't get to the conference finals, meaning win two rounds, eight games, in the postseason, it was a failure. Those are called expectations. So why can't the Lions be asked for more? Why do we have to just settle because the Lions, for the most part, have been shit for most of our existence? Am I happy they're not 0-16 or 2-14 and 14 or 3-13 and 13 anymore? Of course I am. That was awful. The Millen era was terrible. And it's honestly the reason why so many of these young millennial fans have such low expectations that they're willing to put up with mediocrity and pass it off as greatness. But at some point, they gotta expect more and so should we. Plus, I'm tired of this crazy-ass statistic where the Pittsburgh Steelers have more postseason wins in Ford Field than the Detroit Lions. So no... Just being competitive and making the playoffs is not good enough. No, losing big games to good teams ain't good enough. Having nine or ten guys on the field ain't good enough. Not defending an Aaron Rodgers Hail Mary at the end of a game ain't good enough. Oh, no! In 2018, whether it's from your NFL team or your spouse or your job or your kids, or your damn self. Expect and demand better, and you will get better. As I love to say, success is certain, and mediocrity kills. It takes a hell of a lot of effort to be good, to be great, and to suck. It doesn't take a hell of a lot of effort to stay in the middle. So you gotta pick one. You're either gonna be great, or you're gonna be terrible. But don't come up in here trying to be mediocre and just get by. Ain't no swag in being average. My name is Jay Scott Smith. This week's show is going to be broken up into two parts. You're listening to episode 61. I'm going to hit you with a special episode 61.5. Late last month, I did an interview with Jasmine Duke, who came on this show almost a year ago. Except this time, Jasmine brought her dad, and her dad is an amazing individual. And they have an awesome story, and they told that story in Jasmine's book, I'm Black and I Have a Dad. I did the whole interview. What I'm going to do is, I'm going to drop that interview on Patreon first, and then I'm going to hit you with it on the regular feed this weekend because you deserve to hear the whole damn thing. But the people on Patreon get to hear it first. My name is Jay Scott Smith. I'm telling you to take care of yourself. God bless. Always dare to be different. Always have your pet spayed or neutered. Remember to adopt and not buy. And I will see your ass next week. I won't be seeing you though, Jim Caldwell. You're out of here, buddy. But until then, look for the Jasmine Duke interview on Patreon, and I'm out. Goodbye, everybody! Rodgers rolling to his left. BC Chase slips the tackle. Rodgers is stepping up and lofting it deep down
1: the field into the end zone. It is up, and it is caught! Caught by the Packers! Richard Rodgers for a touchdown! Oh! You're kind of looking for more of that pass back and forth kind of thing.
0: (laughs) Check it out. This is JSC Radio.
1: I heard on the news about that five-year-old who found his uncle's gun. The kid didn't know it was loaded.
0: I heard on the news about that 14-year-old girl who was bullied online for like a year she couldn't take it anymore so she got her dad's gun from his nightstand
1: i heard on the news about that guy who broke into someone's house stole a gun from the hall closet he accidentally shot his cousin in the head
0: she killed herself
1: and later killed the owner of the store he was trying to rob if you own a gun you have a full-time responsibility when you aren't using it